This is the last coffee house. Bipartisanship is a hell of a buzzword that constituents love to praise in theory, but punish in practice. Jason Altmeyer is a former congressman from Pennsylvania who championed bipartisanship, often to his detriment, for three years. He wrote a book called Dead Center, How Political Polarization Divided America and What We Can Do About It. It's all about the reasons that moderate candidates have such a tough time in Washington. All right, so what's this book about? He starts off talking about moderates and that one of the fundamental problems with our democracy <laughs> is something that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense and shouldn't be revelatory, but certainly is, is that the people on the political fringes, the extremes, are much more likely to engage in politics because they, they have much stronger beliefs and feelings about it. This means you're going to have the two poles really animated, and all of us can see this nowadays in social media. The two poles are very animated, so you see, you see extreme positions be advertised much more readily, and the same thing happens when it comes to election results. The people who are most motivated to go out and vote, to engage in that vocation, are the ones who feel most strongly about it and therefore feel most strongly about some position. And moderates, by definition, don't feel all that strongly. He discusses how most of the population is actually moderate, but they're just unmotivated to be involved in politics in general. And one interesting development that he brought up was about how there are internal factions within, you know, Senate Republicans, Senate Democrats, in the House on both sides. There are internal factions like the Work For Us and Club For Growth groups that specifically target moderates in their own party. They try to get rid of them. They, they assist or finance or engage primary challengers to get rid of them. Nancy Pelosi is actually a major proponent of this tactic and regularly attacks moderates in her own party. Now, added to all this are the the PACs, the political PACs, and the 501c4 super PACs. There's a disproportionate influence that they're going to have, and the people more likely to run these PACs or super PACs are people who are going to feel strongly about a particular issue and therefore going to have disproportionate voice when it comes to those issues and politics in general. So some of the experiences that he talks about, uh, he had a moderate voting record throughout his career. He even organized a short-lived group of Democrats and Republicans who would come together. I think it was like in a gym or something like that, and they'd get, they'd get together and talk, hash out differences in legislation and try to come to some kind of an idea or understanding about the other position, uh, the other side's position. And one of the fascinating things about his experience is during the Obamacare vote, he was actually just bombarding left and right. I mean, everybody, the Clintons, Obama, Michelle, I I mean, all of them were berating him, uh, I guess would be a, a potentially harsh way to say it, but they were, they were pushing, pushing, pushing to try to make sure that they were going to get his vote on the Affordable Care Act, which he eventually voted against uh, because he said that his constituents, uh, when he talked to his constituents, the greater proportion of them were against it, were strongly against it. Or at least uh, it was clear that the majority of his constituents didn't want it. So he ended up voting against it. But it was, it was fascinating just how often, how many times, how many discussions, you know, meet there, meet here, come over for dinner, let's talk about it, and all this stuff, just trying to get somebody to change their vote because they knew he was a moderate. He was somewhere in the middle. He one His favorite experience, he said, was um, where he worked, and it's so fun. I'll actually get into this when I talk about what I think about it, because right now I'm just going through the contents. Uh, but he saved some refugees in Africa. I think it was Africa. He saved some refugees where they flew in. There's this big deal. They had to get them approved, you know, get like international flight 
travel visas or something like that. I don't know how any of that works. And so one of the things that was incredibly rewarding for him or the most rewarding for him was getting those refugees out and they flew off with them. They had left one kid behind on actually that's always one kid, but one of them got left behind but was eventually found and and brought brought to the states eventually that was his favorite experience. Uh, later, he gets into some stats about social media. It said that uh, 40 per, 44% of liberals have blocked someone on social media due to their political opinions, while only 31% of conservatives have. And 24% of liberals stop talking to someone because of their political opinions, and 16% of conservatives have. Some of the fixes that he talks about for this big issue, one thing was holding all the voting on the same day rather than having different days for voting on different things. Just everywhere, everything that's being voted on, just hold on the same day. Changing the voting day instead of a Tuesday to a Saturday, that would likely spike involvement. Or making the Tuesday a national holiday so you couldn't work on that day. He talked about same-day voting registration, um, making primaries open. I like this one. So Although uh, somebody brought up a good point about people manipulating this an open primary system because the primaries now it's just members of the party get to vote for the primary candidates if you had an open primary you could have a bunch of people from the other party why not <laughs> they could show up and vote for that party's bad candidate you know but i don't know if you open it up just to independence or something like that uh, then maybe uh, that would people who aren't registered to either uh, you know an independent <laughs> uh, um, maybe that would moderate a lot of the decisions when it came to the primaries and who gets to go to the general so and the other way engage moderates which of course has its there's a fundamental disconnect there because uh, you're moderate because you don't care so much <laughs> You know, you'd like to think that uh, people are moderate because they've thought very carefully about all these issues and decided that the position, best position to have is moderate. But most of the time, it's just reasonable people who don't have a lot of information about this stuff. So they're just going to keep their nose out of it. But if you can engage them more to make sure that moderation is more represented in the government, then a lot more would get done. And that's one of the things he talked about, too, was that not being able to get legislation through was not fatal to candidates. They do a ton of symbolic symbolic votes on symbolic statutes just for their constituents just so they can go back and say look i tried to do this but the republicans blocked it or i tried to do this but the democrats blocked it or whatever and it's just symbolic they're not trying to get the legislation through and that's enough to get them reelected. and one of the like he talked about that when he lost he was there for three years and when he lost he went up against he was getting bombarded from people attacking moderates in his party so the person he went up against in the primaries beat him by going extremely he was thinking of the general, so he was just keeping everything moderate. He was thinking about getting to the general and beating uh, the person he'd go up against in the general election. But the person he went up against in the primary went all sorts of extreme, uh, won the primary, and then lost in the general election. So this is, I mean, those are all the considerations that you have to take into account when you're considering how you're going to present your positions. And that's one thing. If, if people, <laughs> you know, politics isn't built to just have a bunch of honest people talking about the reality and truth, it's, it's built it's whoever wins you know that's what it's about there's a kind of evolutionary mechanism in our politics and the people we have are reflective of what works and what works is is the partisanship and what works is the government not working very well <laughs> So that's just the way it is. Okay, what are my thoughts? And I went through the process. Now, reading this thing, it's got kind of a congressional neutered prose style. It's like reading a long 
campaign commercial. And that's not to say that it doesn't have a whole bunch of great information. It certainly does. And it was great hearing about kind of the background. He talked about how uh, different interest groups like the Jewish lobbyists or the lobbyists for Israel, they take all of the Congress people on a trip around Israel, you know, all expenses and give them all sorts of stuff. When they got into Congress, I don't know why this is okay or this is allowed, but apparently it is, and I'm sure it happens all the time with all sorts of interest groups. But so hearing about that background stuff when we are trying to save the refugees, and one thing about the refugees was that there were competing people in the party who were trying to save these refugees, and they were fighting against each other because they knew it would be a big PR thing. And there was something so cynical about the whole setup, because yeah, he, he was talking about, oh, we're going to go save these refugees, but in the background he was talking about the race between, and this was the setup, was the race between the other members of his party who were trying to get rid of him. And there's just such a cynicism in that, that it wasn't just about saving some refugees, it was about getting the win for his political prospects. And I understand, like, you have to be in that headspace, but is this what it should be, <laughs> you know? Is this neutered prose and doing the politically savvy thing? Is this how we should have it structured? I don't I don't know about that. So it was good to talk about the fundamental problem of the animated extremes as opposed to the disinterested moderates who are just going about their daily lives. I mean, that's a fundamental thing that we all need to take account of and understand. And honestly, there might not be a fix to that. How do you motivate people who are unmotivated? It's you make them more extreme and then they're motivated. It's it's going to be really difficult to find some kind of a psychological space where we could say that, yes, you're, you're really interested and want to be involved, but you don't have an extreme position that you feel strongly about. Like you feel strong strongly about the middle? <laughs> you feel strongly about moderation? I, I don't know that we can do that. One thing that was talked about was Australia and how they have mandatory voting. And one of the options in Australia is none of the above. I think that would be fantastic. I think mandatory voting is... Uh, so it takes away... Because voting is supposed to be this earned vocation. Not earned in the sense that, you know, it's earned by virtue of the fact that you're a citizen. But it's supposed to be this uh, this thing that everybody felt proud of, that I get to do this. You know, there's something that people fought and died for, for hundreds of years that they didn't have. So it's supposed to be something that's... It's a noble vocation. If we make it mandatory, then it's just a... It's a chore now. And it, it doesn't have that. But it might be better than where it's at now, where people just don't do it. If it's mandatory or you get a fine or something like that, then, then people will vote. If they could choose none of the above, it can show to the rest of the people just a broad disenchantment with whatever the politicians are doing at any given time, which might be significant, you know, might be important, and it might moderate the extreme politicians because they'll see that, okay, well, uh, none of the above got more votes than I did, so. Well, maybe, maybe I need to move towards something else and, and see. And Churchill, I think, I, did I reference this quote before? Freaking Churchill, that guy. He said that democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. And that's kind of a sad state of affairs. Uh, he also said that the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with any voter, with the average voter. <laughs> it's just a sad state of affairs. So we have, I know I argued in one that I unwittingly sent to the Templeton Foundation at some point for some kind of contest that was talking about... Uh, I brought up John Stuart Mill and how 
it was in on liberty and how uh, you know he was championing championing liberty the whole time just as much liberty as humanly possible but at the end he said something to the effect of if we could have some kind of a neutral third party like a supercomputer or something like that that made these decisions for us then that should be the thing that governs and i just wonder if that's going to be the only way to do it i mean we individually have such unbelievably limited hardware that it's shocking that we're functioning at all I don't know. That might be the the answer. So anyway, that's that's Dead Center by Jason Altmaier, former congressman from Pennsylvania. And it talks about political polarization and what we can do about it. There's nothing in there about what you know people on the ground can really do. It's just uh, I guess you can lobby for the kinds of changes that we talked about, like having voting on Saturday, having mandatory voting, maybe you know that sort of a thing. And we could talk about engaging. You know, if you're a moderate, and most people are likely to be, talk about engaging moderates and getting them more interested in the process. But you know, I don't know what that's gonna that's gonna do or that's gonna mean. It doesn't really. It doesn't make enough sense that it seems like it would work. But hopefully, you know, we're gonna go somewhere. We're gonna end up somewhere. Eventually, there's gonna be some kind of a backlash, and, and we'll see. All right. So that's that. This has been the last coffee house. Appreciate it. Thanks, Spike.